This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. One of our two major texts today comes from Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. That's Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. I'll be reading this, this ver- these verses uh, this morning from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It reads as follows. When the Pharisees heard that he, that's Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command is in the law is the greatest? He said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now, the text for the context that I just read is is that various religious leaders were jealous of Jesus because Jesus was growing more and more popular with the people, and they were not. So the religious leaders were looking for some way to turn the people against Jesus. One group of those religious leaders, the, the Sadducees, failed. So another group, the Pharisees, gave it a try. From their studies of Scripture, the Pharisees had developed 248 positive laws that that Jews had to obey, and 365 negative laws that Jews should not violate. And there was a lot of disagreement among the Jews about which one of those 613 religious laws was the most important law. So the Pharisees got a man to ask Jesus which one of those 613 laws was the most important. They figured that no matter which law Jesus chose, he would make some people angry. Jesus responded to the man's question with what theologians call the great commandment. Jesus said, Obeying all of Scripture could be summed up by loving God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Notice that Jesus used the word love twice in the Great Commandment. And that raises some very important issues for us. You see, the word love is used a lot in our culture today. And the word love is used in the media to approve, justify, and promote all sorts of sinful conduct by individuals, couples, groups, and even some churches. I've even heard them quote the words of Jesus about love when doing so. But it's important to understand that when they use the word love, it's not biblical love, true love, that they're talking about. They're talking about something totally different. In last week's message, we saw Jesus demonstrate what godly love really looks like. The title of today's message is, What is Love? 
I chose that sermon title because the word love is one of the most misunderstood and misused words in America, even among Christians who hear it a lot in church. So let's see what we can learn from the Bible about this. The three topics I want to discuss are first, the definition of love, secondly, the discussion of love, and third, the demonstration of love. First, let's talk about the definition of love. In other words, what does the word love mean as Jesus used the word here and as it is used in other places in Scripture? You see, one major problem that we have in properly understanding and applying the biblical concept of love is that in English, the one word, love, carries different meanings depending on how we use that one word. For example, I might say, I love pizza, or I love fishing, or I love my dog, or I love my wife. I'm using one word, the word love, and I mean something different each time I use that one word. But that's not the case in the Greek language that most of the New Testament was originally written in. In Greek, there are different words for love, and each word carries its own meaning. For example, the Greek word storgeo was used for feelings of family devotion. The Greek word eros involves passionate feelings. It's the basis for our English word erotic. The Greek word philea refers to fond feelings like those we have in friendly and brotherly relationships. It's the basis for our word Philadelphia, or city of brotherly love. Now, in the text we just read in Matthew 22, Jesus used the Greek word agape. Agape has a totally different emphasis than the other Greek words for love. The other Greek words for love involve our feelings, but agape emphasizes our choices and our actions. To see this more clearly, let's move to our second topic. Let's look at the discussion of love that, that Jesus had to illustrate biblical love. When the book of Luke tells about Jesus giving the great commandment, it also recounts how Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan to illustrate what he was talking about. We find that in Luke 10. Let me read verses 29 to 37, even though we, most of us are familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. It'll refresh our memory. But wanting to justify himself, that's the Pharisee that Jesus had just responded to with the great commandment. Wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and 
bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. And then Jesus asked this question of the Pharisee, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The Pharisee answered with these words, The one who showed mercy to him. Jesus replied, Go and do the same. Now, as I said, Jesus told the story here of the Good Samaritan as an example of what agape love, biblical love, means. Notice that Jesus did not emphasize the Samaritan's feelings about the other man. No, Jesus emphasized the Samaritan's actions. It was the Samaritan's actions that reflected the kind of love Jesus was talking about, not his feelings about the other man. You see, the good Samaritan didn't just feel merciful. He showed mercy by what he did, by his actions. He didn't just feel compassion. He showed compassion by what he did, by his actions. To really bring this point to home about biblical love and actions, let's move to our third topic. And that's Jesus' own personal demonstration of love. In a famous incident in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're told in Luke 22:41 that Jesus was facing great agony. It was feeling great agony as he was facing the, the cross and execution. And he said these words, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, listen to what we're told in 1 John 3:16. Quote, this is how we've come to know love. He laid down his life for us. The Greek word for love there in 1 John 3.16 is, is agape. So what we see is in Gethsemane, sinless Jesus was about to take all of mankind's sin upon himself. That sin meant that for the first time, Jesus faced total separation from God the Father. Luke tells us that Jesus felt great agony. But 1 John 3.16 tells us that Jesus taught us what love is by what he did, by laying aside his feelings and giving up his life for us. Now that is totally different from the world's approach to things. The world's view is that if it feels good, do it. If it does not feel good, don't do it. Life is all about your feelings. And that misguided idea has infected and, and crippled our culture today, including many Christians and, and some churches. Folks, Christians are supposed to be different from other people. But without realizing it, Christians, many Christians actually live by the world's underlying philosophy of following and, and living by your feelings. For example, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, quote, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 
2 Peter 3.18 says, Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many Christians have heard those words, and they, kn they know they need to understand God better and learn more about God's Word. But there are other things they like to do, so they won't make changes in their schedule to attend a Bible study. Or they pay their monthly bills for cell phone and cable or TV satellite because they like to watch TV and, and use their cell phone. But then say they don't have enough money to help God's work financially. I hate to, to have to say this, but all of that is common among Christians in America as they live by their feelings. Folks, Jesus said, love God with all of your heart and your soul, your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. The emphasis of biblical love, agape love, is your choices and resulting actions, not your feelings. Let's briefly consider how you can obey Jesus in each of the areas he mentioned. First, how do you love God properly? Well, there are many ways. But in Matthew 22, verse 21, right before he gave us the great commandment, Jesus said this, quote, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and as God the things that are God's. God is the giver of life. And loving God begins with surrendering your life back to him. Have you, have you surrendered your life to God's Son, Jesus Christ? Have you made a knowing decision to receive Him as your Lord and Savior? If not, I invite you to do that today. If you've done that, what should we do as Christians? Well, all of us are different. But all of us can decide to be regular in, in attending worship services. And all of us can decide that, that we're not going to be bashful, that, that we'll lift our voices in singing songs and praises of adoration to God at a worship service. And no matter what Hollywood or the media tell us is acceptable and right, all of us can reject the appeal those things have and obey God. Let me give you a real-life example of that. I know a young Christian woman, she's a daughter of a, a preacher, who really liked another woman. They began living together. The media said that kind of sexual lifestyle was based on love, so it is good. But God says that is not love and, and it's not good. After a while, that young woman decided to obey God rather than her feelings and ended the relationship. It's been years now and, and she's never returned to that lifestyle. There are other examples I could, I could give you. But the bottom line is that loving God involves doing things God wants you to do and not doing things God does not want you to do, regardless of how you feel about it at the time. Now, how can you love your neighbor properly? Notice that the great commandment says, love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible recognizes that we all love ourselves to some degree. One way we love ourselves is that we normally seek what we think is best for ourselves. Scripture says that's the same attitude 
we should have toward other people. Folks, the very, very best thing you can seek for other people is, is that they come to faith in Jesus Christ and then live a faithful Christian life. So you can love people by inviting them to our worship services. You can love them by sharing this podcast or, or other podcasts on this site so people can hear God's Word preached and taught. The December 8 devotional in the Streams in the Desert publication tells a story from years ago that, that illustrates something else. The story is about an old man who carried a little can of oil with him everywhere he went. When the man passed through a door that squeaked, he poured a little oil on the hinges. When he came to a gate that was hard to open, he oiled a switch, latch, excuse me. And that's how he passed through life, lubricating all the squeaking and hard places, making life just a little easier for people. People called him strange, but the old man went steadily on, refilling his can of oil when it became empty, and all the hard places and squeaking places he found. Now folks, there are people all around you whose lives squeak, so to speak, and grate harshly as they live each day. They need lubricating with the oil of gladness, gentleness, or thoughtfulness. So practice the love for your neighbor that Jesus talked about. Practice agape love. Be ready with your oil of God's love for people you talk to and meet. It may lubricate the whole day for them. I'm talking about the oil of a sincere smile to a downhearted person, a word of cheer and encouragement to a despairing or lonely person. God's oil of love and kindness has worn the sharp, hard edges off many a hurting life. That's a large part of what biblical love for your neighbor is all about. You make a choice to do those kinds of things and make a point to actually do them even though you're not used to doing them. That's obeying Jesus and loving your neighbor. Let me bring this all to a close by telling you a true story that happened in my life years ago. This true story illustrates genuine biblical love for, for God and your neighbor. I was in a church in Columbia, and one Sunday after I preached, one of the leading businessmen in, in Columbia came up to talk with me. The man's name is Bill. Mutual friends of ours had gotten Bill involved in prison ministry. Bill wanted to talk with me because I'd been involved in prison ministry, including some ministry on death row, before God moved me on to some other things. Bill really enjoyed prison ministry, but he said our friends wanted him to help minister on death row. He said to me, he said, Rich, the problem is I don't like those men. They've done horrible things. I think they all ought to be executed. Now, what do you think about that? I said, Bill, I think you ought to do what God wants you to do, no matter how you feel about it. 
That's what Bill did. And as God worked through Bill, lives on death row were affected, including the lives of some guards who were stationed there. And God blessed Bill tremendously as he shared the gospel and showed compassion for men facing execution. In fact, for years, Bill, a leading businessman in our state capital in South Carolina, took time out of his busy schedule and voluntarily went to death row, week after week, sharing God's love. Now, folks, don't miss it. Bill did not like those men. He did not like what they'd done. At first, he did not even like the thought of going there and helping them. But Bill did what God wanted him to do anyway, despite his feelings. Yes, Bill obeyed the great commandment. He practiced agape love. And in doing so, he loved God and he loved his neighbor. Do you see how important it is to, to know what Jesus and the Bible mean about love? It means at times you may feel like saying something or doing something or with someone or to someone, but, but God says that's wrong. Instead of following your feelings, you express your love for God by obeying Him, not your feelings. The same principle applies to dividing, inviting people to church services or attending those services yourself or volunteering to serve or, or to referring this podcast and other podcasts on this website to, to someone. For whatever reason, you may not feel like or you may be uncomfortable or it may be inconvenient to do things like that. But recognize that when you do them, despite how you feel, you're obeying the great commandment from Jesus to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Let me close with this basic idea. The passage of Scripture we've looked at this morning raise a basic question, and the question is this. Are you living the kind of love Jesus talked about and lived Himself? In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to repeat that. If you love me, keep my commandments. I encourage you right now to decide right here that your feelings will no longer dictate the course of your life. Instead, you will follow the great commandment. You will love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus did for you. As 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we've come to know love. He laid down His life for us. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we live in a culture today that is decaying incredibly fast, but quickly, and things are going downhill so fast. I pray right now that you will help us listen to what Jesus was trying to teach us here about love, that what the world talks about love is not real love at all. It involves so many other things that are totally contrary to what you teach and what you want for us and what you want not just for us individually, but families and couples and churches. 
We're to have a pure, genuine love, the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated in his own life. When, as we saw last week, he, he healed Bartimaeus, and then we just read a little few minutes ago how he, he did it himself by loving us and giving himself up for us. May we take this message to our hearts and, and live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.